Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to How Are You, the Wellbeing Podcast. This week's guest was quite the lifesaver. She's a mummy herself, previously worked for the NHS, but now is founder of Sleepy Time Sleep. It's Sleep Consulted, Rebecca Hill. Welcome to my podcast. Hi, Connie. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Really excited to be here. Thank you. You're so welcome. Well, I say be here, sitting at home, obviously, as we are, all are at the moment. Mm, I know, I know. It would be so nice to just see people in person again. I know. It's going to feel amazing when we can all get out, isn't it? Freedom. I actually feel like I might be a bit socially awkward, like, because will I hug someone? Will, so- will people still be scared? Like, do we just bang elbows still? Like, it's all going to be a bit weird at first, but I guess we'll adapt quite quickly, I hope, anyway. Yeah, oh God, definitely. Yeah, feeling the hugs, definitely needing the hugs again, for sure. So, I always begin by asking my guests, how are you? I know you've moved house, you've moved location as well, right? So, how are you? How's Joshua, your son, adapting to the change? Yeah, so we moved just before Christmas, um, um, so we we completely relocated to Cornwall, which has been yeah, I mean obviously life changing. Toddler toddler tantrums were a plenty when we first moved. I think it's kind of you know quite a, a change, isn't it? Um, well, you'll know because obviously you moved yourself fairly recently, but yeah, it, it was a big change for him. But actually, once we kind of got into a little bit more of a routine, and yeah, he's he's doing just fine, and yeah, we're we're loving beach life even though we can't really go very far that's like the nearest place we can go is the beach but I feel very lucky that you know that's that's on our doorstep now so yeah yeah all good all very good and you yeah no we're good I'm I've gone from city life to sort of a bit more country bumpkin which is actually really nice and I feel like it's come at the right time like you it just feels more outdoorsy and I can enjoy long walks and there's lots of trees and it's a lot more muddy. Don't get me wrong. Oh my God, all my trainers are ruined. I've had to get the wellies out, but it's definitely helped actually moving just for something exciting to happen because it's just so boring at the moment. Yeah. Oh God, definitely with you on that for sure. But uh, but yeah, I think once you're in and you feel settled, it's it makes a huge difference. It's that first bit when you're in and you've just got so many things to do and you're still trying to work and you've got a toddler running around. Like moving house with a toddler is, yeah, <laughs> it's fun. And um, yeah, no, I think it's really important for the listeners to know that you're a mum yourself with a toddler. I guess every stage is challenging in its own way, but toddlers are challenging. So I'm going to like begin by talking about how we met. So we met through social media. Did you approach me or was it a friend? I can't remember, but... Whether it was you who approached me direct. Yeah, it was a bit of both. I think one of my friends, I think, had seen your stories because you were really struggling and sort of said, look, I've seen like Connie's really struggling. Why don't you reach out? And I think I got in contact with you and said, look, if you if you want to chat, like I'm here. And I think then we just set up a call, didn't we? And, um, and just kind of chatted through what was going on. Yeah, that's it. I remember now. And I, I think Macy was approaching one. She still wasn't sleeping through the night. She relied on milk to soothe her to sleep and that's actually started because she used to hate the car and the only thing that soothed her in the car was milk so then it just became a habit where milk became a comforter yeah yeah so we were having that problem where if she woke up in the night she would ask for milk and then she would be full up from the night feeds 
at the age of one that she wasn't actually then eating her solids. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know what the hell to do. And you came at the perfect time. Oh, yeah. No, it makes such a huge difference, like you said, because it's it's so hard when you're in that cycle and, you know, and they're not eating because it breaks your heart, doesn't it? When they're, you know, when you're weaning and you're getting them onto solids and you know, you make all this lovely nutritious food for them and they're just not interested. And yeah, it's soul destroying. So, so yeah, oh, I'm so glad it helped. Yeah. I mean, all, try, trying your hardest, especially with making the food and you're so tired because you're obviously your child's still not sleeping through the night um and you're trying to work you're back to work by then most most mums are and your partner's back to work it is quite a lot you know and sleep is so detrimental for our health and it makes me a better mum when I'm when I've had a good night's sleep because I'm so impatient when I when I lack sleep yeah absolutely god it affects everything I think you know we don't always give sleep the respect that it deserves. We, we talk a lot about good nutrition and exercise, but in actual fact, those two things are built on the foundations, like a solid foundation of sleep, because let's face it, if you're not sleeping well, you're going to make the wrong food choices because you just don't feel like eating nutritious food. You want to snack on kind of sugary or salty food. And, you know, you're not going to feel like exercising either because you just don't have the energy to, to do it. So yeah, so it really, it will just affect everything, you know, your your relationship with your partner, if you have a partner, you know, it, it, it you know, you kind of learn to sort of resent each other because you're just not getting the sleep that you need. And yeah, it makes parenting just so much harder when you're not getting the, the sleep that you need. But you're right, like the detrimental effects of of no sleep or, or, or sleep deprivation is quite a serious matter, really. It's kind of joked about, but it is, you know, sleep deprivation can affect things like your mood, like your mental health. Um, physically, things like um, other illnesses can manifest themselves. So like chronic illness and, um, you know, in the long term, things like diabetes and obesity and things like that so it is it's it's not a joke we joke we do joke about it a lot as parents that you know it's like we we should just be stoic about it and get on with it and just you know accept that that's what being a parent is is all about but actually in the long run it's it's quite a serious matter yeah and it doesn't need to be about that which I've learned through you and so many parents as well they'll find themselves like competing with who's had the the most sleep or you know like we joke about husbands. I, I don't want to sleep like a baby. I want to sleep like my husband or partner. You know, all those jokes. You're so right. But actually, you know, what? once me and Ricky sat down and um, we got our plan from you and we followed it as a, as a team, which I'm going to talk more about, it changed everything. I'm not even exaggerating. Like I, I was more productive with work and therefore I was earning more money and getting more jobs. My content was better. I could exercise again. So I just became a lot more productive and happier. And for me, like that's just worth Mm. worth it like alone but what about sleep for the actual child itself like how important is it for children to get the sleep that they need it's absolutely vital so children need a huge dose of sleep in order for them to grow and develop um so it's like an essential building block for their or both their mental and physical well-being I mean you'll know yourself like if a little one has had a good amount of sleep they're going to be happier they're not going to be as grumpy um you know just generally they're going to be more alert they're going to be more into things their sort of cognitive performance is is going to be better because you know they, they've had the sleep that they need and they're well rested negative effects on children like in the longer term there's like emerging evidence that there, there can be sort of detrimental effects on things like um, the cardiovascular system so things like obesity diabetes heart uh, high blood pressure so so yeah it it is really important I don't want to sit here and put the fear you know fear into into parents because of course no 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 of course there's you know that but there is probably around about a quarter maybe 25 to 50 percent of children that you know is sort of is estimated that they have sleep problems you know so that's an awful lot of children that are having sleep problems that you know could potentially be sleeping better and that's why I feel so passionately about it because you know I know having been through it with my own son that I that you know the positive outcomes that it can have and I'm sure you've seen with Macy like you know she's just well like we finished the sleep training and she suddenly had a massive growth spurt and she was coming out with loads of words and yeah it's just such a 
great thing to see them thrive mm. and, and doing so well. Yeah, the, the biggest difference was her appetite. And then because of obviously eating better, she was growing, her hair was growing, it's got thicker. And yeah, God, no going back. Just taking it back to you just said, like you've been there. What was the, the driving force for setting up Sleepy Time Sleep? So basically, um, I had a background, I've worked in the NHS and healthcare pretty much all my life. So in and out of, of the NHS in, in different guises. And um, so I actually worked in, in anaesthesia. So I was like, helping put people to sleep for their surgery and things like that. So it's a very different kind of sleep, um, but slightly different because you've got the drugs to, to put them to sleep. But basically I became pregnant. I had my little boy. I ended up actually quite poorly with my pregnancy. So I was off work for quite a long time. I then had my little boy and started to improve a little bit, but then his sleep was really, really terrible. Like he, he never slept well. And, you know, and I know, so when babies are first born, it's really normal for, for night wakings to be frequent. Like that's so totally normal. And I, I, you know, I would never want any parent to think that that wasn't the case. But yeah, it was just my biggest fear was like, how am I going to cope with no sleep before I have my child? Like I genuinely was fearful of it because I had always struggled a little bit with my mental health anyway. And so I was kind of like, okay, I know this might have a negative effect on my mood and yeah, and basically that's exactly what happened. So um, I got to Joshua being probably about uh, four or five months old, went through the four month sleep regression, which was pretty awful. Um, but basically uh, I was on my knees. I was waking up probably every 30 to 45 minutes in the night, just sitting there sobbing my heart out. Like I don't know what I'm going to do like I really didn't know what to do and basically just started searching through Instagram and you know I, I found a sleep consultant and she basically taught me how to teach Joshua how to sleep well and literally within you know a week or so he was sleeping through the night and everything just started to fall into place and so I then started to become feeling really passionate about that and um and unfortunately, because of my own kind of health situation, I couldn't really return back to the NHS with the current situation as it was. Um, and so I was like, right, I'm, I'm going to go and help lots of other mums with their little one's sleep because I know how much this can like have a positive impact. And so, yeah, so it's basically kind of stemmed from there. And it's just gone from strength to strength, really. You know, I just feel so passionately about helping people to, to sleep well because it just... Yeah, it's great, isn't it? You feel so much better for it. Yeah, it's definitely must be such a rewarding job. And I think I didn't actually know any of that. But now I do know that. And obviously, having worked so closely with you, and we uh, like we stay in touch all the time. I can see that you're so passionate. And now I know why I can see that you really care. And what I loved working, uh, why I loved working with you is that your approach is so um, understanding like you didn't expect me to do anything that I wasn't comfortable with and you're very gentle people can hear your voice so they'll know that you, you come across like such a kind person and I think that's all really important if anyone listening is interested in a sleep consultant to work with someone that you feel puts you at ease because obviously it's your child at the end of the day and sometimes there are tears involved yeah. and that is one of the questions I mean I I did ask my followers to send in questions and I have interviewed people for my podcast <laughs> who have four million followers and you have had the most questions so <laughs> everyone wants to ask <laughs> Rebecca everything and um, so I've got a That's big long great. list of questions <laughs> oh no that's great yeah. like I said there's tears involved sometimes why should parents not worry too much about baby crying and when is the crying too much do you know I'm do you know what I'm trying to say yeah, yeah I do so yeah I think the first you've, you've absolutely touched on a really important point is that every baby and every parent is going to be completely different so it's all about finding somebody that you feel comfortable working with is that's really important but you know somebody that 
you know, it ticks all the boxes for you. You know, like I'll always try and be non-judgmental because at the end of the day, being a parent is not easy. It's like the hardest job in the world. You know, it's the best, but it's also one of the hardest jobs as well. But in terms of like tears, I think, again, it's really about finding what's right for the person. So some people can't hear any, you know, and they, they really, really struggle with that. And there are sleep consultants out there that have very holistic approaches, but the results obviously take a lot longer. So, you know, you'd be working with them for a lot longer, um, you know, in order to try and do that with minimal amount of tears involved. Um, there are other extreme methods of, you know, like cry it out further and kind of leaving the room and, and leaving your baby alone to cry, sort of controlled crying. And I generally kind of would say that's not my approach. I would always kind of pitch myself somewhere in the middle. And the reason I do that is because um, I feel like parents, when they come to me, they are totally exhausted and they want results pretty quick. They need to sleep pretty quick for their sanity, for, for, for their child's sake as well, not just their own. So I generally explain that, you know, there is some crying involved, um, but I never, ever ask parents to leave their child. They're always in the room with them, you know, supporting them, especially through those first few nights, which I'm sure you will remember. Um, you know, they are tough the first couple of nights. But um, but in all honesty, there is no there's no evidence that short bursts of uh, stress, short bursts of crying are detrimental to your child. There's no evidence to suggest that there's behavioural changes or anything like that. So I think, you know, it's okay for children to cry a little bit. And in fact, there is some evidence to suggest that short periods of stress actually can improve resilience in a child later on in life. So while I do totally understand, like I know hearing child uh, children crying is just awful. I totally understand that. I think it's okay to accept that there may be little, you know, short bursts of crying involved with with sleep training and that it won't have a negative effect on your baby or your relationship with your baby. I think that's one of the things I feared was like, oh, I'm going to go into my child the next morning. They're not going to love me anymore. Or, you know, that that horrible feeling that you that you dread. Um, but yeah, of course, it's it's all fine. And they are happy when you go in and see them. Yeah. And I think if you follow the routine advised, you know that your child's been fed, winded, they've had their bath, they've had everything that they need. And I remember you saying to me like those, those tears are because she's learning a new skill and there's a little bit of frustration there. But obviously when you follow the plan, those tears get less and less. And I think now, gosh, Macy as a toddler, she whinges and moans and cries over nothing. So whatever like you can cry for 10 minutes and you're going to be absolutely fine and it was never like sometimes it was quite bad to the point where we had to take go back a few steps I don't know if you remember that where like she started yeah. to try and make herself sick I do which yeah. I'm sure you've heard parents probably yeah. mention before because I know Macy wasn't the only one but she would make herself mm. try and make herself sick so that I we would go in basically so she did get herself into a bit of a state a couple of times and so we would just go back a few steps in the program and then, you know, and, and it, and it always worked and it was great. Um, so it's definitely not easy, but it's worth it. And I think within a week, I saw such a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in terms of the overall tears in the longer run, because often when parents come to me, they are up in the night because the babies won't go back to sleep and they're struggling. And so once they're sleeping through and once they're well rested, the tears, in fact, actually just kind of fall away and they generally are crying a whole lot less, apart from the toddler tantrums, of course, which we, we just can't, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a part of their learning. It's just, it's natural what's going to happen. Absolutely. So out of interest, what is the main reason that parents and children or families have like sleep issues? Like why are so many parents struggling or can't get their kids to sleep through the night? What is it? I think generally it comes down to the fact that when it's, it really is kind of around the structure of baby sleep. And so when babies are first born, they have two phases to their sleep cycle, which is um, deep sleep and this rapid eye movement sleep. And babies need a lot more rapid eye movement sleep because they have an awful lot of information. Obviously their brains are just being completely overloaded with information, new stuff that we 
we, you know, they've never even seen in their life. So they, that's kind of the thought process that, that we think is why babies need kind of this, this rapid, more rapid eye movement sleep. And when they hit this four month sleep regression that people talk about a lot, um, around three, four months, their sleep matures into an ad- the same as an adult structure. So it's like four phases. So they introduce two light phases of sleep. And so generally what happens is, is that you just get in this pattern whereby babies and children, they become dependent on a prop. So like we call it a sleep prop. And so what that would be potentially like in Macy's case, it was the milk, it was the bottle of, of, of milk that she just was totally convinced when she reached the end of her sleep cycle, she was just totally convinced that she needed that same thing in order to fall back off to sleep. So we naturally do wake several times throughout the night, like that's a normal pattern of sleep for, for any child or adult. Um, but for an adult, that might just mean, you know, rolling over and repositioning yourself and just not even being aware of it pre-children that is of course but yeah but children and babies they go through these sleep cycles they reach the end of a sleep cycle and I need that same thing in order to fall off to sleep and they'll be totally totally convinced and so my role is to sort of help unpick those what those sleep props are what those sleep dependent props are and and sort of how to help those babies to sort of self-settle without them so there's loads of different ones it could be rocking it could be some people have to go out in the push chair or the car breastfeeding dummies yeah there's so many different things that you know it could be as simple as you know having to stroke their hand or you know something like that but um but yeah and they just get into these patterns and so often the more we're trying to help them or the more the parents are trying to help them to sleep the more these sort of sleep associations start to sort of fall into place so so yeah but it's it's so easily done and I think it's you know it's I never ever judge a parent for what they've done before because let's face it like we don't it's such a new world isn't it becoming a new parent we don't know what we're doing and we're just kind of learning as we're going along so we just do what's best at the right at the time Mm, yeah and my auntie said to me just remember that short-term solutions become long-term problems. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's what happened, you know? It was a short-term solution, yeah. <laughs> but it became a long-term problem. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> she, t- she speaks some wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of comforters, could co-sleeping be a sleep prop in itself yeah it it, it definitely can because the parent themselves like the the child being convinced that they need to be beside the parent that can be a sleep prop in itself and again like co-sleeping is one of those things like if it's done safely and you're following all the lullaby trust guidance and it's working for you then that's totally fine like don't feel like there should be any there should not be any pressure for somebody not to co-sleep if they're doing it safely and they're happy with that if you're not and you're struggling and you're being kicked in the head and you know you're not really getting much sleep because you've got a little bed thief in there you know then that's then when you know it's worth considering chatting with a sleep consultant about sort of helping them to sleep in their own sleep space yeah i remember a few times macy's been in our bed whether it's a nightmare or um co-sleeping was something I never really wanted to do it's just I just never felt safe me and Ricky if she was I'd fall asleep when she was a newborn with her on my chest which I'm sure many mums have done just from the exhaustion and I would wake up in like a panic that she had slipped down or fallen off the bed and it just wasn't right for me and Ricky would wake up with a pillow in his hand going the baby, the baby, like he'd be dreaming, thinking that he'd squashed Macy and it was a pillow. It was just so stressful. So it was definitely, it was definitely never an option for us. And last week, Macy had a terrible nightmare, screaming. And I've told you, our neighbours complained. We've got a, a, a neighbor who lives on their own and they've complained they said macy screams all day and all night which isn't true she sleeps through the night so i don't know anyway that was more added stress that when she did wake up when she was ill or teething or in the morning when she wakes up at half seven yeah you know mom mom like i have to run to her which i would prefer not to i'd prefer her to learn to be patient etc but because of this bloody neighbor (laughs) anyway this night she it, last week she was screaming so badly it was definitely a nightmare she was panicking I could feel her heart racing I took her out of her cot and we had to calm her down in our room and Macy knows that she's not allowed to sleep in our bed 
and she is a nightmare. She's in our bed, in between us, and we're just calming her down. She's tossing and turning. She's sitting up. She's rolling over. She's getting frustrated. And I'm like, right, shall I put you in your bed now? And she goes, hmm, hmm, like that. Like, yeah, she she likes her bed. And it's all part of the sleep training process because she would have probably happily slept with us before. She likes her own space. And I'm just so, I'm just so grateful for it. I think it's it's made her independent. Yeah. as well like as a sleeper but she's an independent person too like she's confident that she can be away from me but know that she knows that I'm also still there in the next room does that make sense absolutely completely completely and that's that's definitely you know my aim when I finish with clients is that you know they know that you know once the baby or child toddler is sleeping through that generally if they do wake in the night there's a good reason for it like there there is probably something going on whether it be teething or they're not feeling well and so yeah they you know they know that then that you will come like you're never ever not going to attend to them it's just you, know, you may not respond always immediately, but you will always come to them. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Vernon Kay. And I'm Holly Mackay. And we're here to tell you about our brand new podcast, Parenting Past the Pandemic, brought to you by Aviva. Yes, we're going to be delving into a whole heap of parenting topics from the generational gap to online safety. And some of the big topics which have come up through the pandemic, such as helping to manage our kids' anxieties and how we can affect the world they'll grow into. Parenting Past the Pandemic. Find it wherever you found this podcast. So I think this is like the million dollar question. Mums and Papas shared a, an old post of mine about sleep and all sorts of things the other day. And one lady posted on it saying, my child's three months old and she's still not sleeping through the night. What do I do? Because it was like, it's like the 3am mum club. And I instantly thought to myself, are three month olds meant to sleep through the night? Like when is your child supposed to be sleeping through the night? Yeah. So at three months old, it's definitely still very, very normal for night wakings to continue. And, you know, that's a Mm. very, very normal part and process and that they will probably still need night feeds at that age. Most nearly, nearly all will need night feeds. Um, Babies that can self-settle, generally the ones that I work with will pretty much be able to sleep through from around six, seven months. Generally, that's once weaning is really well established and that's going well, that they will naturally just drop away those night feeds by themselves. That's not to say that that kind of fits all, you know, criteria, because, of course, they're all different and it would depend on things like their health and their weight. And like if there's a medical reason why they might need additional night feeds. So but yet on the whole, in general, when they can fully independently self-settle, the majority that I work with around six, seven months will start sleeping through. But in some cases, you know, where, where the parents are trying to teach them to self-settle and it maybe takes a little bit longer, then it may be up to a year. But I would say if they're not sleeping through by a year, 
then you know if they feel like they're struggling definitely worth asking for some help can you work with parents from day one or when when would you advise parents if they because when I have baby number two I'm just gonna be like right Rebecca the baby's born what do I do (laughs) (laughs) um I never thought I'd be that person I thought it would just come so natural to me but I rather a professional just say this is the routine you should follow and it's going to give you the best sleep and you're going to cope so much better and you're going to have a better relationship I would pay thousands for that yeah. you know yeah. like for me it was yeah. priceless when's yeah. when's a good age to start I mean yeah I, firstly I really completely agree with you and I always use the analogy with people of like if you needed help with fitness you would go to a personal trainer if you needed help with nutrition you'd go to a nutritionist and so there is that you know there is absolutely no shame in asking for help with your little one's sleep I think that's the first thing to say is that you know there are specialist people out there that can help you just do your research make sure that they've got a good solid background and you know and they're registered with kind of you know good organizations and they're obviously keeping themselves up to date but yeah in terms of how quickly you can implement good sleep habits so I do work with I do work from newborn age however it's very different like you can't sleep train a newborn that's the first thing to say you definitely you just can't sleep train them because the first six to eight weeks of life they don't even know night from day like they don't have an internal body clock uh, yet so generally it takes that first six uh, six to eight weeks for them to figure out night from day so I always kind of recommend to parents that they try and have the baby you know split up the day 12 hours of day and 12 hours of night so that then they are having you know they're near the window they've got plenty of daylight exposure so that they know it's daytime and then at night time you'd keep everything very low key have a nightlight on low while you're feeding don't be tempted to have the tv on or look at your phone and things like that just keep everything very low key maybe listen to a podcast um for example instead rather than kind of the blue light looking at your phone which isn't going to help you either if you want to get back to sleep but in terms of what you can teach them there are very very small steps that you can make so you can start with things like a a bedtime routine and, and that can be as early as you like or as early as you feel ready to do it um I know for me trying to incorporate a bath in those first few days was just like no chance I'm just not I haven't got the time to do this yet but once you feel ready to that's the first thing you can do and then there are very small steps that you can do in terms of like getting baby into good habits so it's not it's not necessarily sleep coaching or sleep training it's just getting into a good pattern of like feed play sleep so that then they're not starting to become reliant on the feed in order for them to fall asleep so so yeah definitely there's like little steps you can do and I do work with families so I do like a 0 to 12 week package where I basically kind of guide them through what is normal for now like what's normal what can you expect and like little baby steps that you can make in order to sort of help them along the way so that you don't end up in the situation like I did and and sort of end up mm. with them dependent on on those sleep props but yeah, I'll be here for you if you need if you need any help. I'll be here. Thank you. That's music to my ears. <laughs> Obviously, I said it's priceless, but in reality, not everyone can afford a sleep consultant. So, what tips do you have for parents that not, might not be able to afford a service like that? Because it does sit sound like a real luxury. Mm-hmm. Are there any sort of basic tips, or is there anywhere they can go where they can get advice on getting their baby to self soothe and sleep through the night and all those things? Yeah, so I, I mean, I generally try and post things regularly on my Instagram page, so I do pretty much post daily on there, and there'll be kind of tips on there, so you can kind of, you know, try and pull out the posts that are relevant to your baby's age that's the first thing the other thing is that you know there are kind of sleep guides out there that you can download so I've got digital download guides that people can just kind of purchase so they're like you know a more budget option and they can just download um like a newborn sleep guide or a nap guide so that then you've got all the guidance around like how much sleep should my baby be having and like how long should my baby be sleeping and how what are their awake windows which are course that's like an age appropriate amount of time your baby should be awake for before they become overtired or or undertired if you put them down too soon so yeah there are kind of little sleep guides out there there's also 
plenty of kind of online courses as well that are kind of a more budget range and I'm I'm literally just about to launch my own well certainly for newborn anyway but it's something in the pipeline for for sleepy time is that I'll be introducing some online stuff because you're right that you know obviously you know the one-to-one support may not be for everybody so so yeah it's about kind of having a whole range of different options for people but uh, but yeah there's loads of information out there I think the thing is it can be very overwhelming for parents, especially when you are sleep deprived, um, looking mm. at loads of different advice. And and I think, you know, a very good resource, which is really underused, is the NHS. So if you literally just want to know things like your baby's awake windows, you can just type into the NHS and look at how much sleep your baby should be getting. It's a really basic resource that's, that's there for everybody. Um, so you could just start to look at that. And then in terms of like self-settling, that's probably going to be more a case of, you know, looking at sleep tips, how to teach your baby to self-settle. So keep an eye out for posts on self-settling um, and just practice. It's going to take practice. It's not an easy thing to do, especially by yourself. Mm. Yeah, that's another thing. How important is it that couples work together or that the child has consistency yeah. Yeah. with it? Yeah. Consistency is everything with sleep training. And that's the thing, because if you do something one night and then you do it slightly differently the next night, it gets quite confusing for the baby. So the more consistent you can be, then yeah, the, the better the outcome is much more likely to be a better outcome. So obviously me and Ricky worked on it together when we started Macy's um, sleep program. He actually did the first couple of nights. I think it was because she actually kicks up much less of a fuss for Ricky than me. He can put her to bed still probably 10 minutes quicker than I can. It's like a year down the line and we still have that same issue. So I'm like, you could do bedtime because it takes you five (laughs) minutes, reads a story, puts her in a cot and that's it. No fuss with me. It's a lot, it's a little bit more like mucking around and stuff. But yeah, why is it important that both parents are in this together if that if there is if that is your family makeup obviously there might be single mums listening or single dads and so forth yeah. but say if you're a couple yeah you know if it's a couple then um or even a single parent you know that may have some support from a family member like a, a parent you know their parents grandparents it definitely helps if you keep mixing things up so that you know you don't they don't get too used to one person doing it but it's it's absolutely fair to say that I think generally in general babies and toddlers will always want their mum and you know um it's a natural thing that that they and they will push us for sure they will definitely push those boundaries a little bit more especially with toddlers where it does become about pushing boundaries but yeah you know it's it's very normal for that to happen I mean yeah Joshua is exactly the same with me you know uh, it does make life quite quite difficult sometimes as a parent but in terms of tackling things together yes definitely important to just sort of work as a team and to sort of try and um, take turns in in terms of like the bedtime routine can be really helpful it, it's really in some cases, though, it might just be dependent on whether one parent is working and the other isn't. But yeah, I think where you can, having that sort of support and working as a team definitely can make a difference. Yeah, it definitely helped with us. We were on the same page. He knew exactly what her routine was. So then he wouldn't question me either. You know, sometimes he's like, oh, are you sure that's the right thing to do? Whatever. And I'd just be like, Rebecca said, that's what we need to do. And then he wouldn't argue. <laughs> No, you did amazing. And I think that's the thing. It's great when dads do get involved, you know, or or partners full stop. I think it's great when they get involved because like you say, you're both then doing the same thing. And, and, you know, parenting is one of those things that like, we're always going to do things slightly differently to our partners and it can create friction at times. Whereas I think if you've got something to follow with, with sleep, you know, this is our plan and this is what we're sticking to. Um, yeah, it definitely helps when you both kind of know what you need to do. Mm, yeah, I definitely prefer a plan. So I'm going to ask you some questions from my followers okay. now, just to finish off the podcast. I've literally like, I'm showing Rebecca my phone. Can you see I've just screenshotted like lots and lots <laughs> of questions on here? That's There's so great. many. So I'm just yeah. like, I've just been like going through the I'm picking some that are popping out to me that um, some of them are obviously very similar. And the first one seems to be that a lot of people find that their child will sleep through the night a lot of the time, but some nights they're up for two hours crying. 
or an hour or two hours crying unsettled? Why is that and what can they do? Well, without more information, it is tricky to say, but um, it's going to depend on a lot of things. So firstly, the child's age and um, and like I always would say to people, firstly, go and have a look at like, what is the day sleep like? Like how much sleep are they getting in the day? Is it too little? Uh, is it too much? Um, you know, it's very rare that you can get too much sleep during the day. But um, but basically, it's going to depend on like the day sleep and like what that kind of looks like and the child's age. And often, it might just be that they need to kind of have a look at the nap routine and like restructure things a little bit, because it might be that that's impacting on on bedtime and, and, and the night wake ups as well. So that's the first thing I would look at. And obviously, that's all going to be age appropriate. So like if they're younger, they're going to need more day sleep and more frequent day sleep. And obviously, as they start to get a bit older, the awake time sort of stretches, and you know, but they still do need around about sort of two and a half, three hours um, sleep until, you know, until they start dropping the nap altogether, which is around two and a half, three years old. So it's kind of a gradual process. But night wake ups, there's so many different reasons. Like it could be that there's some sleep prop dependency there. It could be related to overtiredness if they're not getting enough sleep in the day it could be a bit of a regression like if it's a short-term thing you know yourself like you you know with the with the regression sometimes um they can throw you a little bit and you know sometimes if they're going through a developmental phase sleep can be a little bit disrupted but normally that would be kind of short term like a week or two um and then if it hasn't gone back to to you know to not waking up for long periods in the night, then normally that there's something that maybe needs tweaking with their sleep routine. Mm. Okay, so is it true then that sleep breeds sleep? So if your child is at an age where day naps are still essential, if they're not getting that those naps in the day and the, enough time, it can affect their quality of sleep at night. 100% yes, because like a normal sleep pattern would be that you start to produce sleepy hormone, which is melatonin, um, and you'd start to produce that at the end part of the day, and that starts to rise throughout the first part, then it's at its highest for the first part of the night. And your awake hormone is cortisol, which is the one that wakes you up and that drives you to kind of get up and out of bed in the morning. And what you tend to find with babies that don't get sleep in, enough sleep in the day is that they just become overtired. And so they need more cortisol to keep them awake to keep them going and so they have this excess of this awake hormone floating around in their body and so it's much harder for them to resettle themselves back off to sleep in the in the night and um classically you know early wake-ups is one that I hear a lot of um, but nearly always that can be related to overtiredness as well yeah I was gonna say I had a lot of questions about their child waking up at 5 five thirty. how can parents push it to that 7.30 mark. Yeah. So I think it's very normal. Again, it depends on the age of the child, but generally um, it's very normal for babies and toddlers to wake somewhere between 6 and 7 a.m. Like that's a pretty normal wake up time. You may find as they get a bit older, that may be more like 7.30, but yeah, that's a pretty normal time. But if it's pre 6 a.m., that's it's really hard. Like, you know, dragging yourself out of bed at 5 a.m. every morning is really tough. I do have an early wake ups guide on my, on my website, but basically that's kind of like a troubleshoot but I would look at things like making sure their room's completely dark. Obviously, this time of the year is less of a problem, but in the summer, like a blackout blind is an essential, in my opinion, like blocking out the light because even a small amount of light can trigger them to wake up even through their eyelids if they're closed if they're a younger baby I'd maybe look at like the last feed making sure that that's a nice full feed so that they've got a nice full tummy and they're not waking up through hunger and then there's other things like making sure the room environment like the temperature running some white noise to make sure that they're not being disturbed by anything that's happening in the morning like the boiler kicking in or um, maybe somebody's getting up to go to work or, or shift or something like that so yeah there's kind of a few things that you can do in terms of, you know, troubleshooting, but I generally would also look at what time they're going to bed and what the day sleep looks like as well so that they can kind of figure out if their child is maybe a little bit overtired. Okay. Yeah, no, that's good. It's good that you have that all on your website as well, that people can 
head over there and because every child's individual you know so it's really hard for you to say there's not one answer is there exactly you can just then troubleshoot yeah Mm, exactly that um so the last question I'm going to ask because I thought this was really interesting considering your own journey as a first-time mum and the fact that you know the lack of sleep was just beyond if it's the same for me it was just so hard so um this lady said I'm so anxious about having children one of the reasons is because I love my sleep what would you say is your top tip to ease this anxiety? Yeah, I God, I can relate to that on on so many levels. I think definitely for me, before having children, like it was it was one of the things that held me back. Like I consider myself quite an old mum. Like I'm I'm now nearly forty, and um, you know I probably put it off for a long time because I was so worried about this. And yeah, I, I think the reality is that yes, you know you can't sugarcoat the fact that being a new parent it is hard however it's also the very best job in the world and it is so so worth it the best thing I would suggest is kind of getting some sort of a support network in place so a support bubble at the moment you know making sure if you if you have got some help there take it like don't feel like you've got to be strong and just push through it on your own if there's help there, take it, try and take a nap. I hate that saying, take a nap when baby naps, because that's what everybody said to me. And of course, there's all jobs always to do and things to get done. But you know, if there is somebody that can help you with the jobs, so that you can take a rest, have somebody make you some meals, um, you know, maybe batch cook some meals before you have your baby so that, you know, you can have a load of food already, just you can just grab it and, you know, heat some food up rather than worrying about cooking. And then, yeah, once once baby's born, just really focus on the, the key things I would focus on would be knowing that your baby can't stay awake for very long. So, you know, don't try and keep, don't just wait for your baby to tell you they need to sleep. Just know that they can really only tolerate about 45 minutes to an hour awake before they're going to need to go down for a nap. So I think you sort of have to, in some cases, have to take a little bit of control of of how long they can tolerate awake. And then think about, so avoiding overtiredness is critical in newborns because they, you know, they will get overtired really easily following that pattern like I was explaining earlier so like feed play sleep basically so that you know they're getting into a bit of a routine you're not sleep training them but you're kind of getting them to actively eat rather than sort of fall to sleep um and then that way then when they do go down for sleep they're going to be ready for it as well but yeah I think the other thing to say is that those first few months of life do not put too much pressure on yourself because you know, babies want to be close to you. And that's very, very normal. Like this fourth trimester, they've just come out of the womb, they want to be near to you. I think probably one of my top tips would be to get a baby carrier. I don't know if you ever used one yourself. Yeah, baby carriers all the way. Oh my God, I was terrible with mine. (laughs) I think they're just great because, you know, it frees your hands up to make a cup of tea or make yourself a sandwich and you can just let them be close to you and sleep. And don't be fearful of doing that. I think is very, very, certainly those first few months of life, it's, it's really normal for them to want to be on you and asleep on you. And you've got to enjoy those newborn snuggles while they are still there because they grow really quick do you know what I'm so glad that you said that because I had a baby carrier but I think I got a really complicated one so definitely get one that's just easy to pop on Um, and it put me off using it next time round I'm so gonna use one 100% it was definitely that was one of my things I'm gonna get a baby carrier I actually said it to my mum the other day it's so funny that you say it (laughs) because I felt so trapped with Macy. Like I I felt like I couldn't leave her. Obviously I was an anxious first time mum, but I also wanted to do things and it made me feel trapped. And that feeling of being trapped, obviously we all know and feel like that right now. It's just not a nice feeling. Mm. So a baby carrier is a definite and a great tip. And I think getting rid of that stigma of put the baby down, put the baby down, you're spoiling it, you're spoiling it. I had my dad's mum, I love you, Grant. She won't listen to this, but my cousins <laughs> might. She, I love her. She come, she come and stayed with us um, after I had Macy for a few days. And she kept saying, put the baby down. You know, you don't need to hold her all the time. And my mum said it a few times as well. And I think it's quite an old fashioned thing. And I so I always yeah. felt guilty for, for, for cuddling Macy. Next time round, yeah. I will definitely, for the first few weeks be be holding that baby close to me for sure yeah 
Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. And I, you know, all of these kind of, oh, you're going to spoil them or, you know, they'll get too used to you. No, it, it's, it's just, it's just rubbish. Absolute rubbish. So yeah, no, go for it. And I think the other thing is as well with baby carriers is if you're feeling up, up to it, then you can maybe go out for a walk and get some fresh air, which of course is really helpful, but also exposing baby to daylight, even if they are sleeping, you know, and, and fresh air is going to be a good thing in terms of helping them to regulate their own body clock and start to recognize night from day so so yeah it's, it's a definitely a, a worthwhile investment to make I would say and you can hire them like even if people can't afford to buy them you can go and hire them from places um, rather than sort of you know buying out a, a new one well it used to be actually now I say it with COVID it may not be possible at the moment yeah, I'm not sure at the moment, but um, but yeah, they they have sort of sling places that you can hire slings and and baby carriers. Um, so yeah, that's an idea for the future, hopefully. Yeah, near future, I hope. But also, mm. you probably can get really nice ones secondhand. Where like me, I didn't get on with it, or you know, they might only use it for four weeks, and then you can wash it, and um, there might yeah, there's probably some really nice ones available on ebay and all those other websites or in some nice little charity shops there's like a is it faro faro kids near um, my mum's house it's just does baby stuff and they've got some lovely bits in there yeah. thank you so much rebecca they are all my questions i do end each episode where i ask my guest what piece of advice would they give their younger self? Now that can be teenage Rebecca or that can be new mum Rebecca, whatever advice you would give your past self, what piece of advice would that be? Oh, I love this question. That's great, actually. Um, I would just say to always trust my instincts because they're nearly always going to be right. That's, yeah, just go with your gut always. I love that. There's so much confidence in that as well. <laughs> well, I'm trying. It's something I'm working on, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely easier said than done, but to have that in your mind and to focus on that and just to work on it every day, um, it definitely... Um, you start to realise your potential when you start going with your gut and your instinct, which is good. You have a bit yeah, more self-belief. So thank you so much for being an You're amazing, welcome. informative guest. I hope you, you, this is going to help so many parents. I hope so. I really do hope so. But yeah, thank you for inviting me. It's been my pleasure. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.